What would you do if you could travel through time? You could go just about anywhere. You could go back and see the dinosaurs. You could go forward and see what the crazy technology that humanity comes up with. You could stop Hitler before he kills millions. You could visit yourself as a kid. You could visit yourself as an old person. There is practically no limit to the things that you could do if you had the power to travel freely through time. In the story we're going to be talking about today, apparently, one person did have that power. And he chose to use it by going back to the year 2000 and shitposting on internet forums. It's very weird. And what's weirder is that a lot of people, to this day, still took him seriously and really believed that he was a time traveler from the year 2036 come back to talk to them. That's crazy. In this podcast, we're going to talk about why it's crazy. We're not going to get into discussions of who the real John Titor might be. There are some great videos online. I'll post the link in the description. Justin Wang has an amazing YouTube video where he actually discusses the various possibilities of who might have been behind the hoax. But I want to talk more about the actual things John Titor said, how people reacted to them, and why they just don't make much sense. So, if you're ready, come back to the year 2000 with me. And let's go internetting. Before we get into John Titor himself, I'd like to talk to you a bit about what the internet actually looked like back in the year 2000. I'm going to assume that most of my audience is probably around my age, so in our mid-20s, maybe late 20s, so you and I likely do not remember the internet at this point. For you and me, the internet is probably mainly some combination of Facebook, Twitter, couple other social media sites, and then news sites and places where you'd read other articles, you know, a BuzzFeed, a Washington Post, you know, and then a lot of video games online. That's probably what the internet is to people like you and me. The internet in 2000 was a very different place. What it was, was essentially a collection of message boards and personal sites. So for the casual consumer, you might maintain a web page on your own, perhaps hosted on something like GeoCities or some other defunct uh, hosting site. Uh, and then if you wanted to chat with other people, there really was no social media. Rather, you would log on to a forum or a message board. At the time, they like to call them BBSs, Bulletin Board Systems. And it would usually be themed around a specific topic. So let's say you were really into The Simpsons. You could log on to The Simpsons message board and discuss the latest episode of The Simpsons. The funny thing is, a lot of these posts from the late 90s and early 2000s are still archived. You can still go online and read them just as they were typed out 25 years ago. It's actually really fun if you have some free time. I guess that makes me sound like I'm a bit of a nerd. And honestly, I guess I wouldn't be hosting a podcast called Internetting if I wasn't something of a nerd. <laughs> but um, the other thing to keep in mind about the internet at this stage is that Photos, and especially videos, were fairly uncommon. You could upload them and download them, but 
broadband internet was simply not widespread in America at this time period. People were rather dialing up. Dial-up internet very literally means your phone line was used to transmit the internet signals. Uh, it also meant that you couldn't make calls while browsing the internet. Um, it was a weird system, uh, and it was very slow. Also, very difficult to upload photos, especially videos. If you wanted to see a video, you had to probably wait minutes to download it. So it was not practical to you know, mass produce things like that, multimedia content for the internet. The reason I'm kind of going through this is because you're gonna understand when people ask for photos and videos of John T. Tor, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for him to actually show these things than it would be for you or me now, right? I mean, I could just post a video of myself and upload it to Twitter or Facebook within seconds, but in the 2000, 2001, much more difficult to actually show a photo. Although it is gonna come up. You are gonna see examples of photos in our little podcast here, but it's uncommon. I'm gonna go ahead and also link in the podcast description to all the photos and stuff that John Titor uploaded. So you can judge them for yourselves. I'm personally not very convinced, but we will get into that. Okay, so you've got your background on the internet of 2000. So let's hop into our story. It's the year 1998. Bill Clinton is in his second term and will shortly be impeached and also convicted. Uh, the Backstreet Boys are popular. I myself am two years old at the time, a lot of fun. And a man named Art Bell is running a radio show called Coast to Coast, very popular show. On the show, he often reads in letters, emails, faxes, whatever, from his listeners. And he attracts a lot of people who claim to be time travelers, just an interesting facet of his show. One person in particular sends in a fax getting angry that other people claiming to be time travelers talk about their experiences after the year 2500. The reason that this person sent in their facts and was angry is because he claims that the world essentially ends well before 2500. Something happens that essentially destroys the earth as we know it. So obviously, anyone sending faxes or letters or whatever claiming to be from after the year 2500 must be lying. He sends a couple of these faxes to Art Bell. Art Bell reads them on the show. Uh, they gain a little traction, but they don't really go anywhere. And that's the last you're going to hear of this person for a bit. He doesn't have a name yet, but that's your, he's going to go into hiding, I guess, for, for a couple more years. Okay, so two years later, an account called Time Travel Zero shows up on the paranormal board of, as it turns out, the Art Bell BBS forums. So keep that in mind, the paranormal board. The people on this board are already primed to believe in the supernatural and the paranormal. So you might understand why some of them are willing to take this guy at his word. Okay, so it's the 14th of October, the year 2000. A couple people are just hanging out in the paranormal boards, having a conversation, when suddenly, Time Travel Zero joins the conversation. And he says, greetings. You know, bit of normal uh, meeting. They say hello. Everyone says hello back to him. The people continue their conversation. Then he says, my name is John. I'm 38 and a time traveler from Florida. Uh, someone asks when he's from, and they, he says 2036. The other people on the forum are pretty chill about this, honestly. They're very friendly. They ask him more about himself, where he's from, what he does, why he's back in the year 2000. 
And John, over the next several weeks, actually, so this happens, he'll log on, log off, answer more questions. He spins a very elaborate tale spanning basically the history of the year 2000 to the year 2036. I'm going to go through that because it, it's part of this whole mythos. And I think one of the reasons people took this guy so seriously to start with was that he had a very detailed sort of future history, I guess is the best way to call it. Like he would spin up some very elaborate stories and it's worth going through because I think it's fascinating. So according to John, in around 2005, low-level terrorist acts start breaking out around America and it gets worse and worse. And by 2008, there's this huge civil war but it's not like the civil war like the North and South. What it really is, it's essentially an urban-rural civil war. So the country and the cities wage war against each other. This war essentially extends over the next seven to eight years. Um, John himself, who apparently, by the way, is born in the late 2000s, at the age of 13, joins up with a, a military res regiment uh, in Florida and goes fighting the city people. So this is the year 2011. John joins what he calls a shotgun regiment and wages war against those folk from the city. He is from the countryside of Florida. He claims to be from near Tampa. Uh, and he goes off to war. Um, in the year 2015, the Russians ally with the countryside and essentially fire off nukes at every major U.S. city. The cities fire back uh, at Russia and a lot of the world. So the EU is wiped out. I think a lot of Asia is wiped out. Um, but because the nukes from the Russians were aimed at the cities, the country, the U.S. countryside, ends up winning the civil war. Uh, and so... There's a lot of fallout, obviously, a lot of radiation. John claims that uh, nuclear bombs are apparently much more friendly and much cleaner than uh, in the year 2015 than uh, they are in the year 2000. So there's not as much radiation damage, but still a lot. Uh, so a lot of the world gets glassed. Uh, society essentially resets by a lot of time. So it's not like we go back to barbarism. There's still technology, obviously, but it it's advances a lot slower there's a sort of lack of any major progress uh except for time machines but we'll get to that later <laughs> i guess the time machines people were still working on through this uh and then life sort of devolves into this almost pastoral very rural way of life john describes in great detail the way that uh, humanity sort of reverts to a, a farming economy. So there's sort of subsistence farming. People are farming to feed themselves and then trading the profits with others. Industry is very much not a thing. Like there are things being produced, but not nowhere near the scale that it is in the year 2000. So products just really aren't being bought and sold the way we think about it. One of the interesting things that you notice as you read through what turns out to be dozens and dozens of pages of John just posting about all this stuff is that he has a very specific worldview that he is sort of communicating to the people on the forum. So he mocks them a lot for being very consumerist, very concerned with fashion 
or material wealth. And he mocks them. He says, don't you understand? The world's going to end soon and you're sitting here talking about who's going to buy the fanciest sports car when you should be practicing basic survival skills. He advises everyone to purchase a bike. So once cars sort of break down, they can bike around. He practices uh, firearms routinely and tells everyone else they should. He sort of has this weird... I don't even know how to describe it. I guess libertarian is a good way to put it. He's very suspicious of central government, supposedly because of the Civil War. There's also this bizarre, I would say proto-conservative bent to the way he talks, to the way he talks about life. So he mentions that in the year 2000, the education system is quote-unquote indoctrinating kids and not teaching them real life skills. That's a sort of hallmark of conservative thinking of schools are indoctrinating our kids by educating them. He also mentions that belief in God uh, has been very much strengthened uh, in the after the apocalypse. He also mentions a lot of other things, you know, there's no central government really, there's just a bunch of small communities that subsist purely on local and state government. So it's a very specific worldview. The other thing that really points me to think that whoever the person posting was, was a conservative, is he has a bizarre respect for the U.S. Constitution. He advises everyone to go read it. Go read the Bill of Rights. Go read the Second Amendment. Um, he literally tells someone, uh, one of the most important things I could tell you as a future person is that you should know every part of the U.S. Constitution, including the boring parts like you know, the Senate pro tempore and all that. It's, it's bizarre. It's also worth pointing out that in John's 2036, the U.S. Constitution has apparently been amended so that now there are five presidents instead of one, and they all serve different terms, so I guess some sort of ruling council. It's this sort of suspicion of centralized government permeates everything he writes. It's very interesting. Okay, so that's life for John, and that's how he got there. But you might ask, what is John even doing back in the year 2000? And his explanation, let's just say it's interesting. So according to John, from the year 2036, he initially traveled back to the year 1975 to pick up a certain computer. Specifically, that computer was an IBM 5100, which was a computer that was designed to work with Unix. Unix was an operating system that is actually still very common today, not as common as it was back in 2000. But the important thing is that it underpins a lot of critical systems, even right now. A lot of old-timey systems that have never been updated still run on Unix and will continue to do so for a long time because, you know, you can't just update that source code without breaking everything. Uh, a little sidebar here, there's a lot of, frankly, terrifyingly important uh, systems that are built on random legacy code. For example, when coronavirus hit, a lot of the unemployment systems used by states just broke because, of course, claims were going through the roof. And the issue is that they were coded in an old-timey language called COBOL, which nobody learns anymore. There's just there's no reason to know COBOL except for the fact that all these legacy systems that no one's ever updated still use them. And so these states had to go out and find older programmers, essentially, to come and fix them because no one else 
had any idea how to program in COBOL or update anything written in it. I think that's just a fun little story. So interesting thing about Unix is that in the year 2038, this is a fact, by the way, this isn't part of John's story, this is a fact. In the year 2038, a lot of Unix systems are going to fail. It's actually very similar to the Y2K bug, if you're familiar with that. Basically, in the year 1999, there were a lot of computers that had dates with only two digits. And those digits went from, you know, 00 to 99. And so a lot of people were worried that, you know, when important computer systems like banking or airlines, the year went from the year 99 to the year 00, the computers would interpret that as the year 1900 and a whole bunch of things would crash. I mean, if you go back and look, this is actually worth another podcast in and of itself, but like there were doomsday preppers who just thought planes would start falling out of the sky and nukes would launch themselves. I mean, it was crazy. Ultimately, not much happened because of Y2K. Granted, a lot of people spent a lot of time patching all those bugs before the year 2000, which helped. Uh, but there really wasn't much. I mean, a few systems failed here and there, but nothing apocalyptic. The Unix bug is very similar. So when the Unix designers in the 60s and the 70s were programming this thing, they only had 32-bit integers to represent dates, which basically meant that they only had enough time to represent seconds until the year 2038. You just can't make any more seconds from 32 bits of information. Uh, later on, they patched from 32 to 64 bits, which allows you to get, I think, more than the lifetime of the universe uh, in terms of time, if you count it in seconds. But with only 32 bits, you can only get to the year 2038. So there's a suspicion that things are going to start failing when you get to the year 2038 unless it's patched by then, which I mean, of course, I'm sure it will be in real life. The very fascinating thing about John T. Tor was in that in the year 2000, not many people knew about the 2038 bug. It just, it wasn't common knowledge. So you'd have to be an IT professional, uh, or I guess a time traveler to know about it. And, and very specifically, the computer that John was looking for, the IBM 5100, had the capability to actually patch those things. And, and I think very few people knew about that because it was a sort of hidden feature of the computer that it could operate in that environment. I'm not really sure if I'm explaining this correctly because I'm no IT professional myself and I don't really understand Unix. But the point is, is that very few people could have known that the IBM 5100 was actually capable of fixing that bug, of, of working in the Unix. And that lent John a lot of credibility because, you know, no one really knew it at the time. And I think that's what led a lot of people to believe in him. Okay, so he's getting the computer from 1975 to bring back to 2038 to fix this Unix thing. So what's he doing in the year 2000? Well, by John's own admission, he's just essentially hanging out and posting on the forums. He's just, he says multiple times, yeah, I like this. I don't think it's going to mess up any timelines. So I'm going to hang out here, get a sense of what life was like before the apocalypse, just chat with you all, answer any various questions you have about morality or time, etc., etc. Uh, it's weird. I mean... Even in the guy's own story, 
John Titor is essentially just shitposting, which I guess I appreciate on some level. So what were the people on the forums saying? And by the way, I'll also link the actual conversations. You can still go read them. Someone has made a very good archive on the internet archive where you can go and actually read through everyone talking back and forth with John. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's mixed. Let's say that. There are some people who are outright hostile. They insult him. They call him names. You know, you're clogging up our board. Get off here with your nonsense. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, there are some people who are clearly just playing along. They're like, yeah, 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 you're a time traveler. Go on. Yeah, tell us more about the future, bro. And then there, the, there are people who are genuinely taken in by this guy, which is, which is sad. I mean, it is really sad. And you're going to see why in a second. Um, basically, I mean, as you know, uh, obviously none of the stuff that John predicted has happened. We live in the year 2020. You know, there has been no major nuclear war. There has been no civil war between the country and the city. There has been no Russia, you, you know, frying DC and all that. But I mean, the year 2000, you could plausibly claim that you don't know if that's going to happen or not. So why not take this guy at his word? Well, I mean, the answer is, is that John himself had some very weird things to say that I think did not hold up to scrutiny. For one thing, he ended up actually uploading photos of his time equipment. Yeah, I'm not kidding. And uh, <laughs> they look they look like, well, Radio Shack parts. Parts you could buy at any local hardware store. Um, he also, and this is my favorite, he posts a picture of a laser, like a laser pointer, except the laser is supposedly being bent by the gravitational force of his time machine. <laughs> And it's very clearly not a real laser. Um, it's just, I find it funny that people would look at that and be like, this seems legit. I mean, it's obviously doctored. It looks nothing like a, like a laser. The other thing is the photos themselves that, that he uploaded look like they were taken in the year 2000. They look like photos from that era. They're printed on like stock and then uploaded. They're clearly not very good digital photos like you would expect from technology from the 2030s. I mean... These people can make time machines and they can't make a photo that looks like it wasn't shot on an Android. It's crazy. Okay, but here's the thing. There was a very easy way for John T. Tor to prove that he was a time traveler. And that was simply to make simple predictions about things that would be happening in the coming days or weeks or months. Right, so when he started posting, it was the end of the year 2000. One person very reasonably asked, John, who wins the Super Bowl at the beginning of 2001? By the way, the answer to that was the Patriots. John says, well, I can't answer that. It's not moral. You would simply bet on it and make a bunch of money. And he says the same thing to all sorts of people who ask for stock tips or lotto numbers or knowing when they should flee before a war starts. And here's the very sort of dodgy explanation he gives for why things that he says might not come true. So, so bear with me. If you're familiar with time travel stories, you'll know that there's this idea of a paradox, right? So if you go back in time and you shoot your great-grandfather, what happens? Well, 
if your great-grandfather dies, then you your grandfather couldn't be born, which means your father or mother couldn't be born, which means you couldn't be born, which means you couldn't go back in time and shoot your great-grandfather, and so on and so forth. Like, it creates a paradox. How do you resolve that conflict? So what John says, he embraces this idea of what he calls world lines, but what we most commonly refer to as a parallel universe. So this idea that when you change time, there's this alternate branching reality that then takes place. So your own timeline doesn't change. That never changes. But there's an entire parallel universe that is created that then branches off. Uh, And so there's this idea of infinite realities of every possible choice that can happen is being made in some parallel universe elsewhere. It's a really interesting concept. But what it allows John to do specifically is say, well, I mean, if anything I say doesn't come true, it's it's not my fault. It's just that this is a parallel universe to my timeline and and, uh, things are different. But the reason that I find that disingenuous is because it doesn't square at all with some of the predictions he makes because he still predicts this civil war happening in 2008, you know, America getting nuked and tells everyone to go buy bicycles and read the Constitution. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. His explanation is that, well, the timeline is changing a little bit, so little events that I tell you will not come true, but the big stuff will come true. Uh, that seems flimsy to me. I mean, the idea of like the butterfly effect, or you know, is that small changes lead to big changes. So, you know, the idea that only small changes would happen, but not big changes, doesn't seem to hold much water. <laughs> it's also worth noting that uh, John, who was posting in late 2000 and early 2001, made zero mention of 9-11 or any of the major events that would happen. I think my favorite example when I was reading the forums of things that John refused to predict. So (laughs) it's November of 2000 and John lives in Florida, right? So a whole bunch of people ask him who's going to win the election because at that moment, right then, the Bush-Gore election was being held up because of the hanging chads and the disputed ballots in Florida. And of course, John was like, well, I can't tell you, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk more about my civil war and my time in serving in the shotgun regiment in 2013 or whatever. Eventually, John said, well, this was fun, but I will be heading back to my own time shortly. He promised to publish a video of his time machine in action as he traveled back in time. That never happened. He also, this is funny, claimed that as he lived in the year 2000, he was actually living with his parents with, I might add, his own like two-year-old self. So think about that. He went home to his parents, told them he was a time traveler. I guess they believed him. And then he just hung out and I saw himself at a very young age and I guess there were no ill consequences. But uh, the whole story, obviously, I mean, it's fake. We, we can say that right now. It's fake and had never had any chance of being real. Time travel is, it's actually possible. Um, specifically, time travel to the future. This is a fun physics fact. If you travel at really high speeds, like, like near light speed, you will essentially travel into the future because the way to think about it is your personal rate of time will slow down relative to everyone else's. So if you're moving along in a starship at like half of light speed, 
and you come back to Earth after traveling for a few days, you could see whole years have gone by on Earth. So you can actually sort of travel forward into the future. As far as science knows, there's no way of traveling back into the past. And of course, it introduces the whole paradox thing and, uh, you know, another podcast. There are people much more qualified about physics and time travel to discuss this than I am. But it's an interesting thought. In conclusion, I, you know, I'd like to think of this podcast as a, as a realistic place to talk. You know, we don't brook conspiracy theories here. We, uh, we, you know, if something has evidence, we'll consider the evidence, but you can't just say something and expect people to believe it. And that is exactly what John Titor did. He said things, he said them confidently, which I guess a lot of people will buy, but that's not enough for me. You need evidence. You need real evidence, and John Titor actively failed to provide any of it. Again, I'll link all his posts in the uh, the podcast description. I encourage you to read it, if nothing else, to enjoy seeing what the internet looked like in 2000 and how people wrote. It's it's fascinating. <laughs> I, it's I don't think I've any refer heard anyone refer to the internet as the net in like 10 to 15 years, but it's definitely on there. In fact, John Titor references the internet in 2036 as the net, which probably shows you right there that he's fake because no one says the net for anything. <laughs> um, but I hope you found this interesting. I found it really interesting to research. If you have any feedback on the podcast, anything you'd like me to change or improve, please let me know. My DMs are open. I have a new social media account on Instagram at internetingpod on Insta. I really hope you follow me. It's where I post all the updates for my show. You'll get notifications about new episodes. I try to upload on a bi-weekly basis, but so far it hasn't worked out. I'll try to be more consistent in the future. Things just kind of got ahead of me this time. You know, any feedback, DM my account, DM me personally. I'd love to talk more about how to become a good podcaster. I really am trying to be serious about this and, and make something that people are interested in. I might never be big you know i might only have a few listeners but that's okay as long as those listeners are entertained and informed i consider my job done so i hope you enjoyed this episode uh keep in touch with me and have a great week guys